from everything that we've sang about tonight. And I was thinking about this as I was sitting there tonight and the music has just been such so great tonight. Every once in a while, and if you've been here a little while, you know this is the, the, the case. Every once in a while, the Lord will change the direction of the pastor. And I'm sitting there tonight and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, whatever you want tonight. But I really don't feel like, I don't feel like God has changed my direction tonight. And so I'm going to go forward with what I believe God has given me tonight. And I think we're going to show you a contrast tonight. And the whole service tonight, we've been reminded of how great God is. And how wonderful it is just to be with him and to commune with him and to walk with him. And... And it really is, young people, it really is as wonderful as they sang about it tonight. It really is that wonderful. And we don't, even ex we don't expect you to know that. We don't expect you to, uh, you know, I don't even really expect you to necessarily believe that. But I would encourage you to do this. Hang in there. Just hang in there. Because he gets better and better and better. And serving Jesus gets better and better and better. And, uh, and, and the devil knows that as well. And so he wants to do anything and everything he can to try to, to try to pull you away. And we'll get into that tonight just a little bit. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Peter tonight, First Peter chapter 5. And when you find your place tonight, if you'll stand with us, uh, if you're able, First Peter chapter 5. And uh, listen, this is a brief message. Uh, we've purposed it that way. Because I know we've got the meetings after the service tonight, and so we're, we're purposely, as far as I'm concerned, we're going to be brief tonight. Now, that may not be as far as God's concerned, but as far as my part, we're going to keep it brief tonight. Now, if God, if God decides to change that, then God can do anything he wants to do. And, uh, and we don't have any say so in it, so uh, we're just going to trust the Lord and let the Lord lead tonight. But I want to teach you some things tonight. I want to teach you some things that I believe will help you this evening. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God <clears throat> which is among you, which is what we're doing tonight. You are the flock of God. Right. Taking the oversight thereof. He's speaking to pastors here. Taking the oversight, sort of serving as a supervisor, not by constraint, don't do it because you have to, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, don't do it so you can get rich, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither is being lords over God's heritage, not as a dictator, but being in samples to the flock. We're to set an example to the flock. And as the pastor follows Christ, the flock is to follow the pastor. And the Bible says in verse number four, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, as the lady's just saying, for he careth for you. But then all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit 
changes tones. And in verse number eight, he says this, be sober. Be serious, that's what he's saying. This is not a joking matter. This is not anything that's humorous or light or frivolous. He said, be sober. And then he says, be vigilant. In other words, my oh my, we better pay attention. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And then verse 9 says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I want to draw a little phrase out of verse number 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, notice this phrase, as a roaring lion, as a lion. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that, uh, about that subject tonight. You may be seated this evening. And let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us. And we'll jump into the Bible study tonight. Father, what a service. I would have hated to miss this one. Lord, thank you that I'm able to be here tonight. Thank you for the help to be here. Thank you for the freedom to be here that we enjoy in this great nation. Thank you that we have a place like this to come to. Lord, it could be we, we could live in North Carolina and live in North Iredell County and, and not have a place like this to attend. And so, Lord, there's so many reasons for us to be thankful tonight. We just appreciate so much your blessings. And God, as I take just a few moments tonight to, to try to teach uh, a few things about the enemy, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together. I pray that you'd challenge us really good tonight. I pray somehow, Heavenly Father, that young person that had not planned on paying attention supernaturally, I pray that you'll arrest their attention. And I pray that they'll, just for a few moments tonight, I pray that they'll give me their eyes and not look down at the floor or the ceiling. God, if I have their eyes, I can have their mind. And that's what you want tonight. And I pray that, Lord, that you would speak to us and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit and Lord, I pray that you'll teach us a great, great lesson tonight. And I pray that we'll take it home with us this evening. And so Lord, we plead the blood of Christ over this service once again. And we pray for your blessing and your anointing and your power. And that Christ Jesus would receive glory and praise and honor from all that's done. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. I believe we have a perfect Bible tonight. Perfect. Uh, perfect. And that's what I believe. I believe God's laid that on my heart. I believe God's made that a conviction in my heart. And I believe I have a perfect Bible tonight. Um, very soon, probably, very, very soon, I'm going to be bringing a lesson on why I use the King James Bible. And, uh, but, I, but I believe I have a perfect Bible tonight. And because of this, I believe that every word is there on purpose. The Bible says in Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So that means that every word in this book tonight is there on purpose, and it's there uh, by, by the plan of God. It's there because the Holy Spirit uh, put it there on purpose. The Bible refers to Satan by a number of labels or, or names. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 5, it refers to Satan as the tempter. 
And most certainly he is. In Matthew chapter 13, it talks about Satan being the wicked one. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 10, the Bible talks about him being the accuser of the brethren. In John chapter 12, verse number 31, the Bible mentions Satan as being the prince of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4, it calls him the God of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2, it mentions him as the prince of the power of the air. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, it calls him an angel of light. Boy, he's very active in that nowadays, isn't he? And don't be surprised, the Bible says, don't be surprised if the devil transforms himself into an angel of light and he makes that which is really, really bad look really, really good. He's able to do that. Revelation chapter 12, verse number nine refers to the devil or Satan as the dragon. But this means, this, this means something then. This means that there is a specific reason in 1 Peter chapter 5, that the Bible refers to the enemy as a lion. All these things have a reasoning. And so there is a very real reason. The Bible wasn't just trying to come up, up with another label to, uh, you know, just put something else about the devil. No, there's a very reason that the Bible says he's as a lion. Because as a lion, the enemy does several things. I want to give you three of them tonight quickly, if I could that the enemy does as a lion. How about this? Number one, he ponders your path. Now, look back at your, your Bible tonight, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because, and this is the reason, because your adversary, the devil, and he, by the way, he, very, he is very much your enemy. He is your adversary. He doesn't love you. He doesn't, want, you know, the devil is so subtle, man. He's so subtle. He'll come to you and he'll say, man, I, listen, I, I just want you to have a good time. The devil doesn't care one thing about you having a good time. He is a liar and the father of lies. And if something's coming out of his mouth, you can guarantee it's a lie. But the Satan, but Satan will come and, and he'll say, man, I just, I, I'm just concerned about you. And he is not concerned about you. He is your enemy with a capital E. He is enemy number one. He is your adversary. And the Bible says, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. Notice these words, walketh about walketh about. The words walketh about means this. It means to make due use of opportunities or to tread all around is what that means. Well, I love, and you know this, I've told you this before, I love the study of lines. I love to watch documentary on lions. It's, it's, it's just a, it, it's an amazing thing. And experts tell us this, that lions hunt by way of stalking. And usually it's the female lions that do all the hunting. Uh, every once in a while, the male lions will join in, but uh, normally the male lions are there just to protect the pride and uh, just to, uh, you know, keep the other male lions away. And so usually when there's hunting to be done, it's usually the female lions that are the hunters in the pride. And there's reason for that. They're smaller and they're more sleek in their frame. And because they are smaller, they're able and it's easier for them to, to remain hidden in the high grass. And those lionesses, as they walk about, 
They wait pretty much, and I know you've seen this before, but they wait until they have their prey totally surrounded. A lot of times the prey doesn't know it. They don't even know the lions are there in the grass. But those lionesses have, have a very uh, skillfully and carefully and, and very silently, they have maneuvered their way around the prey until they've got them completely surrounded. Now, uh, you say, Pastor, what is this, National Geographic? No, it's church time tonight. But there's a reason the Bible says our enemy is as a lion. Did you know that the enemy does the exact same thing? He ponders your path. He knows what makes you tick. He pays attention to you. I'm talking about you. You say me, I'm talking about you. He ponders your path. He ponders your teenager's path. He ponders your children's paths. He ponders your grandchildren's paths. And that's why, man, that's why we ought to try to raise our families in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, again, I'm just, I mean, this is just a, a, a short point, and, and, but, but it's, a, but it's a, a point worthy of mentioning tonight that we had better be sober and we had better be vigilant because the devil is watching what makes you tick. He knows those things that fire you up on the internet. He knows those sites that give you problems. He knows those people who know how to push the wrong buttons and he knows how to bring those people into your lives. You see, he knows, he watches, he studies. He knows exactly all about your life. Now I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn over to the book of Job with me tonight. Job chapter one, as we try to build on this point just a little tonight. Job chapter one and verse number seven, I just thought this was super interesting because it, 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 it goes right along with 1 Peter chapter five and verse number eight. Job chapter one and verse number seven. Notice what our Bible says. Job chapter one, verse number seven. The Bible says, and the Lord said unto Satan, which comest thou? And so God is having a conversation with the evil one and, and he says, uh, which comest thou? Where, where, where are you coming from, Satan? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, watch this, from going to and fro in the earth, and I've got this phrase highlighted, and from walking up and down in it. Hey, don't forget what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. He walketh about. And the Bible says right here that Satan told the Lord, from walking up and down in it, verse eight, and the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect man, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear God for naught? Verse 10, hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side and thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. I got a question. How did Satan know that? How did, he know that, how did Satan know that God had placed a hedge around Job and how did Satan know that, that Job was a, a man of great means and how did Satan know that Job was so blessed beyond measure? I'll tell you exactly how he knew because Satan had been studying the life of Job. He had been pondering his path and by the way, my dear friend, he is doing the same to you. 
You say, Pastor, I'm nowhere on Satan's radar. He doesn't care about me. He's not paying any attention to what I'm doing. Oh, listen, my dear friend, I beg to differ. Satan is as a lion. He is walking about. He is pondering your path. He's watching what you watch. He's looking at, listening to what you listen to. He's seeing the things and ways that he can get into your life and maneuver into your life because he seeks to, uh, he seeks to make you fall. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter number 22. Interesting, interesting verse. Luke chapter 22, again, the point being this, that the enemy ponders your path. He's interested in your life. Luke chapter 22, verse number 31. The Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to Simon Peter. And in verse number 31, he said this, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Boy, uh, the, the Lord mentions his name twice. What, what, what's he doing? Was it that, that, that Simon Peter didn't hear the Lord? No, no, no. Uh, the Lord was trying to emphasize something to Simon Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, listen to me. Hey, son, pay attention. Simon, Simon, behold. Satan hath desired to have you. Notice what he says, that he may sift you as wheat. I looked at that word desired, and it means this. It means ask that one be given up to one from the power of another. In other words, Satan had been coming to the Lord and said, give me Peter. Let me have a go at him. Let me try him. Give me Peter. Just clear the way and let me get at Peter. And the word sift there, that, ye, that he may sift you as wheat. That word sift is the idea of having to go through a sieve, but it's also the idea, it means this, it means to separate man. You know what Satan desires to do to the members of Calvary Baptist Church? He desires to separate you. He is pondering your path. He's watching you. He's studying you. He's making a science of you. He knows the things that give you problems. He knows the, the temptations that are weak points in your life. He, he knows the places that bother you. He knows the people that bothers you. He knows the things that upset you. And Satan is pondering your path and he watches you and he's doing his best to try to separate you. And he wants to separate you from the family of God and the people of God. And no, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I've been saved, he can never separate your relationship, but I'll tell you what he can do. My dear friend, he can separate your fellowship. Man, he can kill your joy. He can take away your passion. He can take away your excitement. I mean, listen, that's what the devil is seeking to do. So please understand something tonight, that he ponders your path. But how about this, number two? Number two, he plans to pulverize and I was trying to find a, a final word. You know, sometimes if you alliterate, it's easier for people to remember it. This word pulverize is not a, it's, it's, it's not an overemphasis of what I'm talking about. And it's not an overemphasis of what the Bible's saying tonight. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about. And then it says this, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. It means this. It means to drink down. 
Now, let me tell you what it means in the Greek. It means to gulp entire. Listen, have you ever watched one of these programs on lions? You know what? When they get done, there's nothing left. Sometimes when they, when they, when that pride catches that prey, whether it's a whatever it may be, whether it's a giraffe or whatever it may be, man, I'm telling you what, after, after they get done, they pulverize that thing. It, it, it is gone. I, I want you to understand something that if you think for half a second that the devil is something that you ought to play around with, and listen, the devil's out to, he's out to pulverize you. And after 30 years of ministry, I've seen this so many times. I've seen Christians who the devil has come and the devil has worked in their life. And I've seen, I'm, I've seen them get out of church. And, 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 and literally, if you ever get out of the will of God and you let, God, you let the devil begin to work in your life and work in your heart, let me tell you what he's seeking to do. He's seeking to make it so difficult for you to ever come back, for you to ever get back in the will of God. What he's trying to do is just count you out. And he's trying to make sure that you can never go back to the house of God and you can feel like you can never read your Bible and you can never go soul winning. You can never be used to God. And I want to tell you, Calvary, the devil is a liar. But if you give the devil half an inch, he'll take a mile. And he will, I'm telling you something, he will ground you to powder. Man, he will, he will pulverize you. I told you we're going to be brave. But I want you to hear this last, I want you to hear this last point. And this is really the point that, the God, that God really let on my heart. And I want all of our young people, all of our teenagers and young people, I want you to give me your undivided attention just for a moment tonight. Not only does the enemy ponder your path and he plans to pulverize, but number three, man, this is, I'm telling you what, this, the devil's something else. Number three, he plays with his prey. Now, I don't know if you're still at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, but notice what our Bible says. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, and notice this, this phrase, as a roaring lion, <laughs> as a roaring lion. I looked that up, and, and uh, there, is a, there is a level of psychological warfare here. Sometimes when lions roar, and boy, I read this, and I didn't know this this week, but I read this week that a lion's roar has such a decibel of volume that if you are right beside a lion, when it lets out a, 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 an incredible roar, it can literally bust your eardrums because the decibels are so loud and so powerful. And a lot of times those lions will, will roar because they want other people to know they're there or they want other animals to know they're there. The devil plays with his prey. I read an article this week, and this is what the title was, when the lamb lies down with the lion, it almost always ends up being lunch. So the lion loves to play with his prey, but hear, hear, hear me out, but only the prey that's extremely weak. Now that's an important point. Lions, lions occasionally do try to get a hippo, but not very often. Did you know that a hippo, did you know that a hippopotamus 
can, can grow up to, uh, to four tons? Man, I read that this week. I was like, wow, 14 feet long, four tons. And, and every once in a while, a pride of lions will go after a hippo. But they said this. They said that if that hippo ever gets turned around right, that with its jaws, it has so much power in its jaws that a hippopotamus can literally crush a lion to death with its jaws. Every once in a while, lions will go after a water buffalo or maybe even a crocodile, but not often. But the prey that, that's helpless and the prey that's defenseless, he'll often play with them until he's ready to finish them off. This week I was watching a, I was watching a video this week, a documentary uh, style video and a huge lion, and you may have seen it, but a huge lion had caught a newborn antelope. And the caption of the video read this. It read, from a predator to a protector. And when you first start watching the video, you're thinking, oh, that is so sweet. This big, gigantic lion, man, it looks like it weighs probably six, seven, 800 pounds. And it's a young lion has got this little baby antelope and he's just carrying this baby antelope around from a, from a predator to a protector. But when you read on, experts say that's not what's happening at all. That line is not protecting that antelope. That line is playing with that antelope. He caught that little newborn antelope and he's just carrying it around and uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. You ever seen your cat play with a mouse? Now, they eventually kill it, but they don't kill it right off because they want to play with it. And that's exactly what this lion was doing. He was carrying around this antelope, and, and he would drop it out of his mouth, and that little antelope would get up, and, and it, would try to, uh, it would try to wander off, and that, uh, that lion would take his paw, and he'd just put that big paw back on it, and he'd just knock it down, and he'd let it get back up, and he'd walk a little bit, and he'd knock it down, and then he'd hold, hold one of its limbs down, and man, it would, you know, do a little call, trying to get some help, and, and that lion just kept on, kept on uh, playing with that, with, with that prey. For those Christians who pay very little attention to preaching, and for those who care very little about church attendance. And for those who spend very little time in prayer and the word of God, I want you to understand something. Satan's just playing with you. Amen. You say, preacher, it's not so bad. The drugs are pretty good. The alcohol gives me a buzz. I mean, I know, you know, I know what you've said and everything, but really, preacher, it's really, I mean, it's really not that bad. No, I'm not hanging around the crowd. I should. I, I know that, you know, they're a doping crowd, drinking crowd. They're carousing crowd. They're a moral crowd. But you know what? We're having a lot of fun. And, and uh, uh, honestly, I really don't know what you're talking about. I mean, really, it's pretty good. I mean, I, uh, the commercials say come up to the highlight. But it really is. And I mean, it's really great. And what you don't understand is that Satan has got you duped. And because you are helpless and because this person is weak, uh, the, the devil is literally playing with them. But what most fail to see is this, is that when the enemy grows tired of their weakness, guess what's going to happen? He's going in for the kill. And this is exactly why Christians, why 
It's so important that Christians grow in their Christian life. Ephesians 4.15 says it like this, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. First Peter chapter two and verse number two, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Second Peter chapter three, verse number 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, pastor, why are you so, why are you so passionate? Why are you so intense about this church thing? I'll tell you why, because I want you to grow I want you to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to grow in your Christian life. I want you to grow up. I want you to mature because I know something. I know that Satan is walking about seeking whom he may devour. And so it's important that we grow now. A couple of thoughts here and we're done. Number one, this is why we're challenged to put on the whole armor of God. Now take your Bibles quickly tonight. If you will turn to Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six, very, very uh, quickly, and I'm just gonna pay tribute to this. Ephesians chapter six, and look, if you will, please, at verse number 10. And Paul, the apostle, really comes up alongside of Peter, and he is echoing what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter five. Look at Ephesians chapter six and verse number 10. And Paul, the apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, finally, my brethren, he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the who? Of the, of the devil. Well, look at verse 12. Look at the admonition, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that you and I, you and I as children of God had better put on the whole arm armor of God and we've got to do it every single day, day in and day out. You can't afford to, 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 to fail in doing it in any day. We've got to do it. Why? Because the devil is walking about. He's pondering your path and he seeks to separate you from the things of the Lord. But also church, this is why we're challenged to be faithful to God's house. And by the way, you're here tonight and I appreciate that. One last place, would you take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You say, Pastor, what is, what is all this? What's this all about? All this singing in the choir and preaching and invitations and Sunday school and Bible school and all these, what, what, what's this all about? Well, look what our Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 22. The Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast 
the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works. Verse 25, here it is. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You say, Pastor, can you give me can you give me a good reason now to come to church? Well, I can give you many good reasons y'all to come to church, but I'll give you this one tonight. The devil's after you. You say, preach, I'll just flick him off like a little bug. Let me tell you something. You're cruising for a bruising. You say you'll flick him off like a bug. He'll squash you like a bug. He is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Thomas Brooks said it like this. Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor, pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life and he pays with death. That's so true. And you say, Pastor, why are you taking a whole service to why are you taking a whole service to teach us about something like this? Well, listen to this. In his book, which provides a statistical analysis of religious beliefs in America, George Barna cites several fascinating statistics which are based on a national survey. In chapter four, he states, quote, the devil or Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. Then asking a segment of his survey respondents who have identified themselves as being born again, he asked them to state this, do you agree strongly, agree somewhat, disagree somewhat, or disagree strongly with that statement that Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil? Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. The born-again population reply with 32% agreeing strongly that Satan is not real. He's just a symbol. 11% agreeing somewhat, and 5% did not know. Thus, of the total number responding, 48% either agreed that Satan is only symbolic or did not know. And no wonder we're in so much trouble in America. Because we've let Hollywood sell us this idea that Satan is some little red dude, you know, in a, in a red suit with a pointed tail and a, and a pitchfork. And he sort of manages hell. And that's, uh, th- th- he's like a, a, a comic you know, character, a cartoon character. And I'm telling you, my dear friend, he is not a cartoon character. He is as a roaring lion. You say, Pastor, should I be scared of him? You ought to be concerned. I'm not saying you ought to be scared, but you ought to be so concerned, concerned enough to read your Bible, concerned enough to pray and walk with God, and concerned enough that by the grace of God, you don't ever miss a service unless you're just providentially hindered. Because we know the devil is, is seeking us. Carl Armanding recounted his experience of watching a wildcat in a zoo. As I stood there, he said, an attendant entered the cage through a door on the opposite side. 
He had nothing in his hands but a broom. Carefully closing the door, he proceeded to sweep the floor of the cage. He observed that the worker had no weapon to ward off an attack by the beast. In fact, when he got to the corner of the cage where the wildcat was lying, he poked the animal with the broom. The wildcat hissed at him and then lay down in another corner of the enclosure. Armerding remarked to the attendant, you certainly are a brave man. No, I ain't brave, he replied as he continued to sweep. Well, then that cat must be tame. No, came the reply. He ain't tame. Well, if you aren't brave and the wildcat isn't tame, then I can't understand why he doesn't attack you. Armadine said the man chuckled, then replied with an air of confidence, mystery, he's old and he ain't got no teeth. That's a funny little story. But this one's got teeth. The devil that I'm talking about tonight, he's got teeth. And he is pondering your path, Calvary Baptist Church. And by the way, he's pondering mine. Well, if you don't have anything else to pray about, pray for me. Man, I covet your prayers. If you don't have anything to pray about, pray for my wife. Man, cover us in prayer. I, 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 I'm not too good. I need your prayers, my dear friend. I need your prayers. But I want to encourage us tonight. Calvary, all oh, listen, be sober. Be vigilant. Young person, you, you young people that are here tonight, if maybe there's a young person here tonight and you're just messing around with stuff that you shouldn't be messing around with. Maybe you, some of you fellas, you young men, Maybe you're messing around with pornography. And you say, preacher, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. You say, pastor, it's sort of fun and it's exciting. Oh, listen to me. He's playing with you. He's playing. You're here tonight and you're, you're experimenting with drugs and you say, pastor, I don't, I don't do Math, I'm just doing marijuana. Listen to me, marijuana is a gateway drug to other drugs. Amen. And you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, it's not, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. You know why? Because he is walking about seeking whom he may devour. You say, Pastor, we've, we've been out of church for a long time or we've been thinking about just getting out of church. Oh, listen, Whatever you do, don't let that happen. I mean, I'd dig deep roots. Man, I'd bloom where you're planted. I wouldn't go anywhere because Satan, my dear friend, Satan is after you. But I'm glad I can report to you tonight that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I want to encourage us as a church tonight. Man, you get as close to Jesus. You get as close to Jesus as you can because whenever you think you're above the devil taking you out, that's when you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. I pray that you'll take this attempt, simple attempt at preaching and teaching. And God, I pray that you hit it home in the hearts of our people, my heart, my family's heart, my wife's heart. Father, I'm asking you tonight to, to protect us 
I'm asking you tonight to put a hedge around us. Lord, I, I, I know something. The devil, he's, he's pondering our path. Lord, Satan's very aware of Calvary Baptist Church. And Lord, he's willing to do anything he can to try to separate us, to try to sift us and separate us from the will of God. Lord, maybe there's somebody here tonight and he's working right now to try to separate them, separate. Little by little, he's trying to pull them away from the things of the Lord, from the will of God. They've lost their shout. They've lost their joy. They're not getting anything out of their Bible anymore. They don't receive the, the joy that they used to receive when they come to the house of the Lord. God, it's very possible I'm talking to somebody tonight and it's very possible that you are. God, tonight I pray, maybe tonight there's somebody that needs to come tonight around this old-fashioned altar and say, oh God, plug me back in again. Oh Lord, help me in my Bible. Oh Jesus, help me walk close to you. God, I need your protection. God, you know what the devil's been trying to do in my life. You know the temptations that he's been throwing my way. Oh, God, I need you tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray that we'd fall at your mercy tonight. Lord, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed.